Jesus said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And the Lord said, there is a place near me where you stand on a rock, where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by. And then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Let's pray. Lord God, we have come into your presence. We worship before you. You are here. Of that we cannot deny. But how close we are to you varies. Not just person to person, but Lord, even sometimes for us day to day. We want it to be different. We want you. Help us to want to want you. To want more of you. To be closer to you than we were yesterday and tomorrow. To be closer to you than we are today. Pour out your love into our hearts that we might pour it back to you. Holy Spirit, come and fall upon us. Press in, press out. Break down, break out. As only you can do. Let us hear from you. Help me to speak your words, but Lord, beyond anything I can say, let us hear you today. Whatever's gone on, whatever's been, we lay that at your feet now, that there would be nothing in our hands, nothing distracting us, but just your voice, clearly speaking, moving us, Jesus. And move us closer. In your name we pray. Amen. Last week we talked about pursuing the presence of God. About having a sense where we are really uh, persistently pressing in, pursuing after God with everything that we've got. And we follow that up by having a week of prayer and fasting. And and different people did it in different ways, in the way you fasted and how long, and that doesn't matter, and, and even some not able that, but just to pray. How'd that go for you? Good? Good? Is he said good? Good? How many of you would say that this week, in your times, that, that you, you have that sense that you met God in a special way? Let me just see your hands. All right, there's a number of you. Yes. And God wants to meet us in that special way. Not just continue the way we have been, but in a special way, in a different way, in a closer way. And, in fact, we've been looking at these messages. This is part three, as you know, we call it. 
uh, pressing into the presence, part three. Kind of leaving off, uh, starting where we left off with Moses. And where we left him off was just right here in verse 18. And he says, now show me your glory. To talk about wanting to see God's glory is something that contemporary Christianity talks about these days. We have songs about it. But I'm not sure that we actually grasp what it means. More importantly, I'm not sure that we really understand how we get to the point where we can actually ask God to show us His glory. In fact, there may be some here today that are a little disappointed because I'm not exactly going to tell you or talk this morning about what it means to see the glory of God. We're not, we're not really going to talk about it. that. Can be later this year in part four. Don't have it done in anything, but I mean, that, let's think of part four. Why not talk about that? Because I believe that the reality is we are not ready, most of us, to see His glory. I believe that there is this sense that maybe there are Christians who say, oh yeah, I had this glory experience, and maybe they did, but I think many times this uh, show me your glory experiences are really just burning bushes and not a true entering and, and, and grasping a close personal encounter with the glory of a God who is a consuming fire. God said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence and I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But you cannot see my face and no one can see me and live. That is pretty serious. Now, we shouldn't take it as some insult that maybe we're not ready to actually ask Him, show us your glory, because when you look at Exodus 33, who got to see God's glory? Moses. How about the rest of the hundreds of thousands? No. Only Moses. Moses was the only one who got to see, in a small sense, uh, the glory of God, not in the, the grand sense, but Moses is the only one who got to see the glory of God. And not just because Moses was the only one who asked for it, but because Moses was the only one who was pursuing the presence of God with such a passion that God was ready to show him his glory. Do we understand that? It's not just about whether we are ready. Is God ready? Are we at the place where we are close enough with God that he would say, yes, I will show you my glory. But most of us are not close enough even to ask this question. And like I said, most of Israel, all of God's people at that time were not ready. There's a sense that Moses was here and the people were here. Now, and when I do this, I put the, kind of this in the, in a sense of an analogy uh, or a, uh, uh, object lesson, if you will, of where Moses is and the people is. It's not putting people down. It's not trying to make Moses to be more spiritual than everybody. Moses is higher. But rather think about it this way, that if we are thinking of this in an, an analogy, here is God. 
in heaven, high above. Here is Moses. Here are the people. All we're saying is Moses is closer to God in his relationship than the rest of the people. Now, some people don't like to hear that, that somebody would be closer to God. But the reality is that's the way God looked at Moses. In verse 11, we read, and we've talked about this in the past, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Nobody else was like that. So Moses was closer to God than the others. And so he was able to be at that point where he could say to God, now show me your glory. But he wasn't always at that level. We understand that, right? Moses, if we we just watch and what we've talked about over these last few weeks is that he's gotten closer and closer in his relationship as it's gone on. If you start at the beginning where Moses started, he started out when he finally found out who he was and all it was. Moses started that at the level of I can do it myself for you, God, right down here in Egypt. How did that go for him? Yeah, it didn't go so good. Uh, it took a little time. And then Moses got to the a burning bush where he met with God. And yet the reality was when you look at that burning bush experience, when you look at Exodus chapter 3 and you see the way that Moses and God related to one another, it is drastically different than the verse 11. God speaks to him as face-to-face as a friend. That wasn't what happened at the burning bush. Moses was here in Egypt, then he went to the burning bush, and then he got to verse 11 where he is at the point where, yes, he speaks to God face-to-face as a friend. And now Moses is ready to take it up to the next level. Moses is ready to get even closer. God, show me yourself. Show me your We need to make that commitment to follow Moses' example here, to take it to the next level. Will you decide today that you want to press in closer than you have ever been, that you might get closer to God? Take it up. It takes more than just persistently pursuing that present, though, that we talked about, just kind of pursuing. Instead, what we need to recognize today is that we must passionately press in to the presence of God to come to a closer, more intimate relationship than we've ever had before. We need to have a passion to pursue Him, like Moses did. How how do we get there? Where do we go? There's two main things we're going to look at this morning that we need to burn with a holy desire that wants more of God and is ready to be closer. The first thing we need is to be able to have a holy desire whole desire for God. We want to see God. We want God to get to the point, God, show me your glory, but are we willing to move towards Him? We want God to do that. But you got to understand, you can't ask God just to do that if we're not willing to move towards Him, to passionately pursue His presence. We've got to want it, not as some religious stepping stone or some emotional experience, not to somehow see the power of God at work, but singular, holy, complete, total, all-out desire for God and God alone. 
in ways, this desire shouldn't really be that difficult for us as, as humans created by God in His image. What happened after the fall is that there is this empty, God-shaped hole in each one of us that hungers to be filled, this hole that needs to be filled constantly. And unfortunately, there are many that try to fill the longings in their heart with things that are walking away from God, not towards Him. Things that are sinful, things that are fleshly, temporal junk food, if you will, that never satisfies the eternal longing in us. But even for those that are walking towards God, who say, I love God, not all are desperately desiring Him above all things. But instead... We can end up feeling this hunger inside of us with good things, if you will. But not God. Desires that distract us. Even compete for our desire for God. I believe that there is a sense that every day of our lives we are confronted with a hunger within us for God that we don't always recognize is a hunger for God. And so instead what we do is we grab a Snickers bar. Are you with me? You know, got to satisfy that hunger and got to satisfy, and I don't mean we literally grab a Snickers bar, but in a, in a spiritual kind of sense, uh, more than that even, we grab something. We are feeling something inside of us. We grab something that will take the edge off. Or we spend our day nibbling on this or that that somehow just kind of, it's not that it makes us feel great, but it just kind of takes that edge off, takes that hunger away. You know, uh, Rob, I, I was kind of... Uh, amazed or, or blown away. Rob Reamer talked about this. He says, you know when you go to the refrigerator and, and you open it up and it, you've already eaten, you've already had your supper or whatever, but you go there and you open it up and I don't know what I'm hungry for. I, I just, I'm looking for something. He says, you know what? That's a hunger for God. You don't know what it is. It's not that you're looking for food. There is something within us that is hungering. And what are we doing about it? Are we just kind of nibbling away with things that can be good to take that edge off from texting to TV, from music to movies? Some of which some of you fasted this past week from, whether a media fast or an all-electronic fast or just food itself. Again, these things are not bad in themselves. But for example, can you imagine, can you imagine how some life could be drawn closer to God if they took the amount of time that they spend throughout the day, let's say, checking Facebook and instead got their face in the book that is God's each time that they did that? Can you imagine the difference that would make because one, you're not trying to nibble that hunger away through Facebook, but instead you're feeding it. Just a little bit. The amount of times each day we check on that phone. 
a soul that would be have a passion for God, get into His Word, not through some religious routine, but really to seek to meet Him. There are those good Christians who do want more than just a religion. They, want, they know their Christianity is a relationship. They put time, they schedule daily with God. They want to do the right things, not only with their life, but in their prayer life, in their reading of God's Word. They, they want to interact with others as part of the body of Christ. They want to fulfill the purpose God has for them here in His mission and the gifts that He's given them and to use them within the body of Christ to bring His kingdom come. They are, they are all a part of this, fully serving, recognizing it's not all about them. They want to love God and others as much as they can, and that's all good. But that Christian life that I just described is right here. It's at this level. And and I suppose that's good because there are those who are at this level. Those who, one, don't even know Christ, but those who say they do but are doing nothing about it don't really have much love for God at all. But it is possible to be at this level that I just mentioned and actually have no passion for God. To be doing all the good things that good Christians do the right way, and yet no fire, no desire for God. In a sense, we don't press into His presence. We're just kind of on a leisurely walk with God towards God. We're we're wanting to go towards God and we want that and we're on, but it's just kind of a walk. We are not running with everything we've got as fast as we can towards God. We do not have the pedal to the metal, the accelerator all the way to the floor, never using the brake on our way to God. That is the kind of passion. That is the holy desire that we need to get closer to Him. What we've been talking about these last few weeks, maybe it makes perfect sense to you. But it's got to be more than just in our head that you agree with this. There has to be a heart. The heart that completely, wholly desires it. Like Psalm 27, verse 8. My heart says of you, seek his face. And let's remember what we're talking about a number of weeks ago or maybe at the the first sermon uh, Remember I said that in in that original language, face and presence are the same word. All right? So we say, seek his face to seek his presence. All right? So it says here in Psalm 27, verse 8, My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. I speak to myself, that passion, say, I, my face, your face is what I'm going to seek. Yes. A.W. Tozer states it this way. To have found God and still pursue Him is the soul's paradox of love. Scorned indeed by the too easily satisfied religionist, but justified in the happy experience by the children of the burning heart. Wow. And I love that expression at the end there. To be children of the burning heart. 
Does our heart burn for a desire for God in a passionate pursuit that keeps pressing in? Well, it's not necessarily for every Christian, is it? Christianity is about our love relationship with God. It's to love Him with everything we've got. In fact, there are verses all over uh, that, like verse 70, Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Can you say that? Not can you actually say it, but can you from your heart with a passion that burns say, Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing, nothing, nothing on earth I desire besides you. It's not just there. Psalm 84, verse 2. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Psalm 42. You know, that's Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants, longs, thirsts for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Or Psalm 63, verse 1, and, and all of Psalm 63, verse but verse 1, O oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. We need to have a holy desire for God. Do we have that kind of hunger, that kind of thirst that wants to get closer? Or are we content with so much less. Now there are those who will, will, will talk about, I, I think I get that passion you're talking about. I have that passion. Except, here's the thing. We have an all-out passion for God in relation to the desire that we have to do for God. We want to get out there. We want to get out there. We want to run with the good news. We want to change the world around us for God, to not settle for the way things are. We burn with a desire to make a difference for God. And this is great. But this is only up to here. That's only here. In all our passion and doing for God, we are missing out on being with God. Our greatest passion, our greatest desire that burns within us, that out of a love, a great love for God, wants to accomplish everything we can for God, is like Martha. I mean, you know, Mary and Martha, Jesus' friends in the Bible. We are so busy with so many things that we are doing for the Lord that we are not making being with the Lord our primary passion. Luke chapter 10, verse 41 and 42. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. For those of you who have heard that scene and what takes place earlier is Martha's out in the kitchen and she's working Jesus and all his disciples are in the living room, so to speak. Let's say it that way. 
out there and they're just having fun. They're doing their thing and talking and there's Mary, her sister, in there listening to Jesus and Martha's having to sweat out there in the kitchen and she's doing this stuff. It's not that she has... Sometimes I think we give Martha a bad rap like she's got bad attitude. She has a passion to serve Jesus. She wants to serve everybody in that room to give everything she has. She probably doesn't have that much. Uh, you know, she, there's no husband that's mentioned. It's just her brother. She probably has much, but she's given everything she got to feed these people and her passion for that. And yet that is the problem she only gets to hear. Because it is only about doing and not being. And Jesus says, Mary, your sister has chosen what is more important. Now, I, I know somebody say, oh, no, no, I, I, I take time with the Lord. No, I, I'm not Martha. I, I, I spend time. I, I wait time for the Lord. And I wonder sometimes, though, if our if we would say, I, I'm, I take time to be the Lord. If Martha were to say that, you know, in the midst of her cooking, in the midst of her cleaning, she could just stop for a little bit and, and go out into the living room, so to speak, and she could sit there at Jesus' feet right beside her sister until the little beeper goes off. Right? And she's got to run off and take care of something that's going. But it's definitely spending time with Jesus. Maybe as she's sitting there, she's actually giving Jesus her full attention and not thinking of everything she has to do. Right? She's really just, she, when she's there, sitting there, she's focused. The problem is she's not there with a full heart. Because being with Jesus is not her primary passion. Instead, what she desires most is doing for Jesus. Are you catching the difference? Martha, Mary, closer to Jesus, closer to God. And the problem is where Martha is right here, what I'm talking about, this is where contemporary committed Christianity is today. We want to get close to God. We don't want to use Him selfishly like some cosmic vending machine. We want if anything, to receive God's power so that we might accomplish God's purposes. And it sounds good, and it is good. But in the end, our focus is on doing and not on being. Our primary passion is in bringing about what God wants to do. And if that's so, if it's about what God wants to do, it is just a more sanctified way of seeking His hands and not seeking His face. But there is something more. There is something closer there's a sense for a long time, this is right where I lived. In fact, for a long time, for many, this is it. This is as high as it gets. You have reached the pinnacle of the committed Christian life if you've done just what I've said. As far as like that Martha and serving and all your passion and doing for Him. And, and that's what I had thought for the longest time, that the greatest thing... I even preached it that the greatest thing that we could ever experience one day when we get to heaven is to hear Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. And it is great. 
but it's not the greatest thing. It is great. But it is not the greatest. And I don't want anyone to misunderstand or somehow think this means we just stop serving Jesus. I'm just saying the finish line is not here. There is a place closer to God. And it includes everything below. You don't get rid of it. You don't stop serving. You don't stop. It, everything is included below as you get closer to God. There is a place closer to God than being recognized as a faithful servant. That is the place where Moses was at. Where he was recognized in verse 11 of chapter 33. And could it be said of me, the Lord would speak to Tim face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Do we grasp how that is a higher, closer place than my faithful servant? Beyond doing to actually being with Him. We can be so committed to the cause of Christ that we are more passionate and have a greater desire to see a particular thing done for God than we do to actually see God Himself. We're so busy and loving God in the what we're doing that there's not that passion to just be. Don't dismiss this this morning. Let the Holy Spirit bring this home. We spend more time, more energy, more thought, more passion in doing for Jesus than for being with Jesus. Uh, does that mean, again, does that mean that you need to be less, have less passion for what you know God wants you to do? No. What that means is we need to have more passion for Jesus, more passion for God Himself alone than more than what He wants us to do. This point of the whole desire can be summed up, so to speak, simply by the words of A.W. Tozer where he says, I want the presence of God himself or I don't want anything at all to do with religion. Let me just repeat that again. He says, I want the presence of God himself or I don't want anything at all to do with religion. That is the kind of passion. It's not that... I, I, I mentioned Tozer because I, those of you who know him know he's not thinking something weird or off the, you know, it's not that he doesn't believe in everything about Christianity and all that we're supposed to do and all that he did. But he says, this is it. Singular focus, holy desire upon God and God alone. There is only one priority that should be our ultimate passion, to love the Lord our God with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength with everything we've got, to press into His presence closer and closer, recognizing that everything else below is still a part of who we are and pressing in. We need that holy desire for God, but we need more than that. In fact, that's the this next point, is recognizing 
that we need a holy fire from God. Far too many Christians begin this passionate pursuit of God and somewhere along the way the fire begins to fade. We think, well, that's okay. Uh, I mean, to some degree, some people don't think it's okay, but some say it's okay because the fire hasn't gone out altogether. It's not like the fire's gone out. And, and besides, think about it, the very nature of a fire is to go out. So it's going to happen in some way, especially it's only natural when we think about there's so much going on in our lives, there's so much to do, there's so much we have to deal with at times that the fire fades and our desire is no longer white heart. It just becomes warm. And it stays that way. And like Goldilocks, we settle for a religion that is just right. Not too hot. Not too cold. Comfortable. Right? That is a key goal for American churchianity. That we can get to the point where we are just right with God. Comfortable where we are at. Which is better than most Christians we know. But Jesus doesn't want no Goldilocks Christians. Amen? And we know that because he says so. Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, he says, You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Of course, our first response is, Well, that's not me. We're not practicing some cold religion and... But have we settled down to a comfortable place with Jesus? And when you settle down to a comfortable place, you take the temperature down with you. Can our relationship with God be characterized as one that is passionately pursuing His presence at all times? Do we have a desire that is on fire for God, never comfortable with where we're at, but rather a love that is so great that we just can't help but have a passion that wants to get closer, that wants to burn brighter for God? We see later in this same passage of Revelation chapter 3 about the church of Laodicea that I just mentioned in verse 20. Jesus says, here I am then. After he's talked about the cold and the hot and the where were the Goldilocks lukewarm, He says in verse 20, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, we use this verse in a lot of different settings, but technically it's written to who? The church. To God's people. To us. And when we focus on that fact that Jesus is outside the door, our main thinking about this verse is that we need to go and open the door. I mean, that's what we got to do. That's the point. We we think that the point of the verse is that we need to go and open the door and let Jesus in. But the point is much more than that. That's not what he says. He doesn't say just open the door and let me in. You know, let me in. Because that's what some people do is they open the door and let Jesus into the entryway of their lives and their their house that is their life and he just stays in the entryway or other people think well i need to go and open the door and let jesus into the living room and he can have the chair you know the 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 does everybody have one of those chairs you know the big chair that the the king sits in uh at your house 
Jesus can come in and sit in the chair and he can tell me what to do. He can bark out orders because Jesus is now the boss. I invited him in. No, Jesus says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, then I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus is saying, I'm going to come in and do something with you that only friends do together. I'm going to do something with you that only those who have a close relationship. I am going to have a, not just enter into your life, but I, what I want is to eat with you. What I want is to have close fellowship with you. What I want is a closer relationship. That is the point of verse 20. A whole point of Jesus knocking on the door, a personal, intimate friendship that connects. But notice in that verse, it's not about all what we do. It's not all about what we do. Yes, we open the door, but Jesus says, I will come in and eat with you. Sometimes as Christians, I think we forget our relationship with God is two-way. And we get frustrated. We get frustrated with ourselves. Any of you ever get frustrated with yourself in your Christian life? Yeah. We get frustrated with ourselves. Because even though it, it seems like we have this passion to press into God, it's, there are times it just doesn't seem like we're getting any closer. I'm trying, you know? So, so, so we get not just frustrated, but we get down on ourselves. Because we put all the responsibility of our relationship on us alone. I'm not as close as I want to be to God. So therefore I need to try harder. I need to pray longer. I need to read my Bible more. I need to do all this. It all becomes about our effort. And yes, we have to open the door, but Jesus comes in. And ultimately pressing into the presence of God is not like us trying to rub two spiritual sticks together fast and hard enough that finally a fire starts within us. I think that's what we're trying to do sometimes. We're just really just trying to get, you know, we're going to whip this up. But stop and think about it for a moment. How is it that we as mere earthly humans can start a heavenly holy fire? Just like the rest of the Christian life, everything else about the Christian life, it only happens through the Holy Spirit doing the work in us. Yes, we have and need to have a holy desire, but He has the holy fire. In fact, He is the fire. To have our heart burn for God then is not just about some feeling. It's not some experience. It is something that is ignited by us getting close to the flame, by His fire lighting us. We do have a responsibility. We do have a responsibility in this. And that's part of the problem is as we take our responsibility to be the keeper of the flame of our hearts, we forget that we are not the keeper of the fire. Do you catch the difference? While we may be the keeper of the flame of our hearts, we're not the one with the fire. God is. And there are times that we are trying to keep our relationship with God on fire for God in a purely human effort, a determination of our will, a whipping up of our emotions, or maybe just whipping ourselves in general. But flesh cannot give birth to flesh. 
John chapter 3, verse 6, Jesus says, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. We understand that it is our flesh sometimes trying to give birth to something that is spiritual that should be happening in our lives. The fire is the Spirit. And there is nothing in our own flesh we're going to do to light ourselves on fire. But what we can do is when we make sure the wood's dry. What we can do is we can stack it in just the right place that, in the right way that, that the fire will really catch and, and will do, do what it needs to do. It'll just take off. We can stack that and get it all ready. We can get ourselves ready by having a holy desire for God. But once we are ready, once the logs are all in place, it is God who has to bring the fire, the other part, the other person in this relationship. Perhaps what we need to do is stop trying so hard and start trusting that God will set a fire within us. We've done what we need to do. Perhaps, maybe you haven't, but if you have, you've done that. You have that complete desire for His presence. Now all you need is His fire. And we can wonder, you know, as we talk about this fire, where that fire is with some Christians, the, the passion that burns. If we say, okay, I'm at that point, I have a passion that burns for God. It's white hot, a white hot folly. I really do have that fire. God's put that fire within me. Well, then, if we really have a white hot fire of God within us, there should be a sense that somehow it starts showing itself outwardly. There should be some light. There should be some heat coming from us there should be some way that it even explodes out of us and helps to set others around us on fire if there really is that fire are we close to the fire of god so close that we glow in this dark world and everyone can see it jesus should be such a delight for our soul a desire for him should overwhelm you not just on sunday but on monday you see, when we're talking about a holy fire, we're not talking about something that we're just going to feel here on Sunday morning and then our cold on Monday morning at work. God's holy fire is not a temporary thing that we experience. It comes and goes with our feelings. In fact, if it's a true fire, it is something that is not completely within our control. And that's part of the problem because there are some Christians, as we start to talk about this, say, yes, yes, I want to get closer. I want to get here, but I want to keep, don't go overboard. I don't want to get too out of control with this. Too weird. But if it is God's holy fire in us, that is not something that can be controlled. So one of two things are happening for that person. Either it's not really God's fire in them, and they're just kind of whipping this up themselves or it is God's holy fire and you're not controlling it you're putting it out it's just slowly going out we need to allow God's fire to be let loose in us to not be contained to be that part where we say I just need you I really need you more, more, than, more than words can say. I need you, God, a holy desire. Come, set me on fire. 
Perhaps there's some here today that you've been Christian for a while. And you can remember a time when your heart burned brighter and hotter and you pursued at such a much more faster pace the presence of God with a holy abandon. Where do you want to be now? Not just, let's go back to that, or not just where you're at right now. The real question before God is, where do you want to be? Are you satisfied with a comfortable religion of the, quote, good Christian, as if there is such a thing? Or do you want to be part of the children of the burning heart that passionately pursues the presence of God closer and closer? Can you even, I don't, I can't even imagine. What would take place if a body of Christ, a church, throughout the week would be passionately pursuing the presence of God to then come in on a Sunday morning already on fire lit? Will you make the decision that you're going to press forward with a passion, with a desire that is on fire from God Himself? And ask the worship team to come. We're going to sing. There's a kind of a couple songs together here. They're new songs. And uh, in some ways, I think that's good because this morning, where we want, where we should want God to take us is to a new place with Him, a, a new level a new place that is closer with Christ. As they're getting ready, let me just read for you the words of a song that go with that phrase, Children of the Burning Heart, by Stephen Curtis Chapman. You see them up on the screen? You can kind of read them. We were the dreamers, the boys on the wild frontier, the new believers with nothing in the world to fear. We had discovered the treasure of the love of of the love and the grace of God and it burned like a fire in our hearts and we would throw back our heads and run with a passion through the fields of forgiveness and grace we carry the eternal flame with an undying hope and emblazing convictions of a truth that would never fade we were glowing in the dark children of the burning heart and now for the dreamers And those who have dared to believe, the flames call us deeper into great mystery. For as we draw near to the Father, we are lost in this one desire to be wholly consumed by His fire. So let us throw back our heads and run with a passion through the fields of forgiveness and grace. We carry the eternal flame with an undying hope and a blazing conviction of a truth that will never fade. We are glowing in the dark children of the burning heart. Let us do that. Let us decide today to be those children of the burning heart. Not just because of those that we're going to glow in the dark for, but because it means that we are fulfilling all that we have been made in our purpose, all that the longing is that within us that we don't even realize, and that is to be drawn closer and closer to Jesus. Jesus, set us on fire. Set a fire within us this morning, right here, right now. Lord, if there are those who are, and I'm sure there are, those who are not even ready for this, 
And yet, by the decision of their will this morning, right here, right now, can make that commitment that I will passionately pursue the presence of God. That I'm throwing everything off and all that is, even that which is good. And Lord, I want you and you alone and you only. My desire only is for you. But we're stacking the wood up. We are ready that you would bring your holy fire. That we can be to that point where we get so close. Into your presence, we can say, Lord, show us your glory. Show us your glory.